Thank you for joining us for this podcast of the Family Fellowship of Greenville, located in Greenville, Texas. If you'd like more information about our church, please log on to www.familyfellowship.us or email us at info at familyfellowship.us. Now here's lead pastor, Paul Blue. Good morning. How's everyone? Man, you get this last week, you get me, man. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Uh, uh, preacher, uh, Pastor Paul's daddy will be speaking next week. Man, I hope you'll come back and hear him. I'd love to hear him speak. Um, and so uh, he'll be doing that next week. And then we get Paul back on the, uh, no, actually the 20-something, 19th or 20, 19th, somewhere in there. So that'll be exciting to get him back. Just be in prayer for him, man. We hope God sits down and talks with him uh, while he's on sabbatical, and they have a good time, him and Lynn, together. So I hope you're praying for him while they're gone. Hey, uh, we've been talking about great expectations, and so uh, we, we invited you to look into the Scriptures, and in the Scriptures it says that God has, uh, God has put you here not by accident, that you are here by the intentionality of the living God. And in that, you have a life that God has dreamt up for you, that there are good works that you should walk in them. In that vein, then we lead, it leads us to a preferred life that he has for us, the life that we should walk in. And in the end game, we will all stand before Jesus and give an account for the life that he dreamt up in comparison to the life that we actually live. Have you ever been in a hurry when God wasn't? One of the most difficult seasons of our lives, when we're sitting in God's waiting room. Now, God's waiting room is something that is beyond your control. There's nothing you can do about it, right? It's that situation that you can't speed up and you can't fix. And, and, and it's a, maybe an answer to prayer or a miracle that you're looking for from God. A, a change in a circumstance. But you want it when? Now, it's my money and I want it now, right? But it's totally and completely out of your control. It's all on God. Now, today as we conclude our series, Great Expectations, I want to look at the scriptures and what they have to say about being tenacious in your faith. Having some tenacity in your faith to keep on believing when you're in God's waiting room. Now, we're going to look at Abraham, and you talk about a wait. This guy waits a hundred years for a baby who would become a great nation. He's a hundred years old. Baby Isaac arrives. I don't know about you, but that's a minute or two to wait, right? What do you do while you're waiting on God? Well, the Bible gives us a bunch of uh, things about this, but I'm going to give you four or five this morning. And here's the first one as we go through it. You can take some notes. I hope you will. Stage one in the stages of faith. Understand your stage, where you're at on the scale in faith. Number one is when God gives you a dream, an idea, an ambition, a goal, God gives you the purpose or the plan for your life. And at age 75, God gave Abram that dream. He said, I'm going to make you into a great nation. 
But that was just the starting line for Abram. Stage two is a decision. You, 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 you have to act upon the dream. You actually have to take a step out in faith and, and take risk on the dream. Otherwise, faith is worthless. So we take risk in the dream that God has for us. And Abraham, Abram had to leave his homeland and go to a place that he never knew. So he took the risk. And when God says, I have a dream for your life and I have a dream for your family, I have a dream for your career, your finances, there's going to come a point where you're going to have to make a decision and step out on faith and take risk. Okay, God, I'm doing this. I'm going after your dream, not mine. Stage three is delay. A dream is almost never fulfilled are fully realized instantly, is it? See, God takes that time of the idea that he's given you and then the delay between the time he gave you the dream and the delay of that dream, he's growing you within that gap. Are you listening? He's growing you. He needs to grow you in the gap. He wants to build you up. Now, Abram is now 86 years old. He's Still, nothing has happened for 11 whole years. You think he's beginning to doubt? You think he's tempted to take control or take detours? By the way, read the story. He takes a few. But the Bible says he still believed in God. The Bible says, but Sarah still hadn't born any children. God said, you got to wait on me. I've got this. Stage four is difficulty. Not only are you waiting, but there are problems while you're waiting. Good times, right? There's problems that come up while you're waiting on God. It goes from bad to really bad to worse to impossible. Abram is now 99 by this time, and Sarai is 89 years old. And the Bible says... Abram said, how can a son be born to a man my age? What's worse is that God actually changes his name in this time period to Abraham. Abraham means father of a great nation. Now, he walks into QT down here down the street and somebody looks at him and goes, hey, by the way, what's your name? He goes, Abraham. All right. What does that mean? Father of a great nation. How many kids you got? Zero. How old are you? 99. Right? That's embarrassing. It's a test of faith. There's a why in the road. Is he going to continue on the path? Or is he going to get off the path? And eventually God fulfills the dream at age 100 and his wife is 90. And they call the son that they had Isaac, which means his name means laughter. And most of you know that. And we know that because when God told, told him that they were pregnant, Sarah laughed. Now, most people understand that if a woman got pregnant at 90, she wouldn't laugh. She would cry. Yeah. But here's the deal. They got the miracle boy. And they went through this difficult stage, but they came to another stage. And the Bible tells us they came to a dead end. 
And at the dead end, God allows your dream to seemingly die. Abraham is asked to give up the miracle child back to God. God says, I want you to sacrifice him back to me. Now get this. Abraham waits a hundred years to have this baby. He starts to grow up and God says, I want him back. Now, for most of us, we would get in our head going, who is this God and why is he so cruel? Was this a cruel joke? At this stage, you kind of start doubting maybe God's wisdom and love and say, why? It's, it's out of your control. But guess what God did? And this is the stage for some of us we don't quite understand, but it's the stage of deliverance. When God actually, at the dead end, when it seems more hopeless than ever, that God gets the greater glory because He delivers us. And he, he gets the glory because we understand and we know it's him who actually did the miracle, who did the thing that he brought the dead back to life, right? I mean, we're going to read about that. So God is going to take you through these six stages of faith a bunch of times in your life. Everyone in this room, look at me. God is going to take you through the stages bunches of times. Dream, to decision, to delay, to difficulty, to dead end, to deliverance. To grow you in your faith. You need to know that every single one of you are in one of these stages right now. And that's amazing. Because when we understand the stage, we can be patient in God's waiting room. Number two, if we're going to have tenacious faith. We've got to remember your name and God's power. Romans 4.17, it's going to be on the board for you. That is what the scriptures mean, right? When God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in God who brings the dead back to life, who creates new things out of nothing. Abram, Abraham, what is your name? Who are you? What's your identity? Do you know who I've made you to be? Abraham's name means the father of a great nation. Who are you? What has God made you to be? What's your identity in? I mean, when we read scriptures like this in 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have been made new. So your identity is, is not found in your behavior. It's found in a new birth. That's awesome. That's amazing to think about. That you, those of you that know Jesus, you are a new person. He brought something out of nothing. He gave that dead heart of yours and mine life in Christ. So what does God say of you? Well, you're a new person. You are a saint in Jesus Christ. For some of you, are like, no, that's St. Paul and St. Peter and St. Right? No, you, the Bible says. First Corinthians tells us that Paul called them the saints at Corinth. They were the worst church ever. And he called them saints. 
If you have a relationship with God's son, Jesus, you are a saint. You are God's work of art in Jesus. You are. You are his workmanship, his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works that you should walk in them. You are righteous and holy. Yes, you. In Jesus, you are righteous and holy. Jesus became sin for you who knew no sin. Look at me. That you may, might be made the righteousness of God in Him. So when God looks at you, He sees who? Jesus. That's who you are. And that is amazing when you understand that. You are beloved of the Father. You be loved of the Father. You are sons and daughters of God that we just sang about. You're a child of the King. You are fully accepted by God in Jesus. He can't love you more than He loves you right now. In Christ. Do you know your name? Do you know who you are? Because when you do, you will believe differently as you walk in faith in the power of the living God who gave you that name. That's awesome. What's your name? Do you believe that? Yes or no? Yes. I hope you do. Because then the situation that you're in may be out of your control, but when you know who you are and who God is, it changes your focus. And your focus on the God who said what your name is and what He can do. He did a miracle in you by giving you Jesus Christ, if you have a relationship with Him this morning. He brought the dead back to life. He created something brand spanking new out of you. That's what God can do. He can give dead things life. Dead people's life. He can take your dead marriage and bring it back to life. Your dead career back to life. Your dead finances, your dead dreams because what is impossible with man is possible with the living God. Number three, renew your hope daily in God's word. Romans 4.18 says, Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had told him, that's how many descendants you will have. I don't know that you've ever felt this way, but maybe there's something that has there's a dream that has maybe died inside you. When, you. when you begin to have something like that die inside of you, you begin to use words like never, right? I'm never going to get married. I'm never going to have a baby. I'm never going to get well. I'm never, I'm never going to have this happen. Abraham kept believing, hoping. And that wasn't wishful thinking, was it? Like I can't say, I look like Brad Pitt all day long. Doesn't make me look like Brad Pitt. I look like Brad Pitt. No amens? I, I look like Brad Pitt. Nothing changes. I still look like me. That's wishful thinking. But see, in the Bible, with faith, Abraham is at a crossroads. And you can look it up in Hebrews eleven seventeen through 20. And I won't, I won't go and read it for you. But this promised son Isaac, who God had given to Abraham, was, he was asking Abraham to sacrifice him back to him. And Abraham, I want you to do this. And Abraham, the Bible says, kept on 
believing. He kept his eyes on what God had said to him. He kept his eyes on Jesus because he believed that if he did this, that God would raise him from the dead. Hebrews eleven nineteen tells us. Number two, he, he told his servant as he's walking up with Mount Moriah with his son Isaac. He told his servant, we will be back. Not I will be back. We will be back. And what he knew was, is that if God would either spare his son or God would raise him back to life. As they're walking up the mountain, Isaac asks his daddy, where's the sacrifice? Where's the lamb, dad? Abraham replies, the Lord himself will provide himself a sacrifice. See, Abraham... Abraham kept his eyes on what God had promised, what God had said. He kept his eyes on God. Here's the big test in your life, and here's the big idea. What are you going to do when God makes the big ask of you? When God asks you a specific thing to give him your kiddos, for some of you, you know, to give him your finances, to give him your career goals, to give him your greatest dream, that thing that you value the most, so much so you've given it so much authority, you've done this, and he's asking you today to take your hand and open it up. What are you going to do? Will you do like Abraham? He had a confident expectation of what God had said he will do. He will do this. The disciples followed Jesus around for three and a half years. And, and by the way, they thought he was going to set up his kingdom at that moment, didn't they? That they would all be rulers. One day they look up and they see Jesus hanging on a cross. And he dies. You talk about a dead end. He is Messiah. They are devastated. He is the Son of God. How in the world did this happen? And what they didn't know was the resurrection was just a few days away. See, God specializes in turning dead situations around and resurrecting them, doesn't he? Abraham becomes the father of many nations, exactly as God had promised. And a promise is only as good as the promiser. And he has a really good eye on each one of you. And he knows what you're going through right now. Will you keep your eyes on him? Number four, recognize the facts and faith. Recognize the facts and faith. Romans four nineteen through 21, And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about a hundred years of age he figured his body was as good as dead. That's significant. And so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. So this morning, you need to face the facts, but face them in faith. Abraham doesn't ignore reality, but he faces reality by faith. And it's important that you get this. Faith does not pretend that you don't have a problem. Faith does not act like there's no difficulty. 
Faith is not denial. Please hear that. Because a lot of people think it is. Faith is facing the facts. Facing the giant. Facing the Jordan. Without being overwhelmed by fear. Becoming a slave to fear. And discouragement. Be strong and courageous in facing the facts. And don't be overwhelmed by discouragement. That is faith. For some of you, you're facing some illness right now. Maybe it's cancer. You can't deny the diagnosis. You can't. But you can defy the verdict. You have cancer. No, I don't. Yes, you do. No, I don't. That's denial. But when you face the disease in faith, you can be strong and courageous, keeping your eyes on Jesus. And he's at work to either beat the cancer or take you to the next. Regardless, you are delivered. Get that to that in just a moment. This is so important for many of you because you hear a brand of Christianity that says if you had enough faith, then Jesus would never allow you to suffer. He's going to give you a million bucks. You'll have a brand new Dodge or Chevy or Ford. Right? You should have all of your wants delivered to you because he's your good waiter to fetch you your wants. That's what a brand of Christianity that we know of They propagate every week around here. But that's not Jesus. Right? Deny all your problems and just be happy, happy, happy. That's not Jesus. That's delusion. Faith is not asking you to deny reality. It never does. Faith asks you to face, run headlong towards the reality in your life while leaning into Jesus without being overwhelmed by discouragement. That is faith. Faith is not stubborn foolishness and holding on to, it's. listen, I'm just going to be happy all the time. It's like trying to hold on to the 8-track tape. It's not coming back. I'm sorry. The jersey hairdo that my wife wore in the 80s, which was the best hairdo ever, not coming back. Got to let it go, dang it. Right? It. Don't put stock in AOL. It's done. You got mail. It's done. Let it go. And for some of you, look at me. You need to legitimately grieve over something. And then you need to let it go. The dream for your life isn't going to plan. But you don't have to live in the pity party. God knows best. And you say, well, life didn't go the way I have planned. But I believe God has a better plan. That's faith. When the dream dies, dismount and saddle another dream. Right? Because the old one's dead. God ain't done with you yet. You you with me? God isn't done with you yet. Lastly, rejoice in tenacious expectation. Rejoice in expectancy. Romans 4, 20 and 21. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. 
he was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. So you expect in persistent joy for God to act in your life, to do good things, even if it isn't the dream that you dreamt up for yourself. He will do good things because he's a good, good father. If you understood the father heart of God, you get that. You expect him to act. Notice he was fully convinced that God was going to come through even before he did it. When you thank God for something that he's done after he's done it, that's gratitude. And by the way, that's a great marker for spiritual maturity in your life when you are a thankful person. But when you pre-thank God for something you are asking from him that you believe he can do, that's faith. I mean, Jesus shows this to us in the life of Lazarus. The girls have come and said, hey, Lazarus is dying. You need to come and make it right. He waits a few days, doesn't he? And he gets to the gravesite. Lazarus is dead. And the Bible says he said these words. Father, I thank you that you've already heard me. That's amazing. He pre-thanks God for what he is about to do. What's he doing? He's thanking God in advance. That's faith. Now, in this, there are three types of deliverance that will happen for you that give you tenacious faith. Number one is circumstantial deliverance. In this type of deliverance, God is actually going to change the situation. He miraculously turns around the situation. And he's going to do this many, many, many times in your life. Yes, he's going to do that for you. But this isn't always his go-to. There's a second thing. There's personal deliverance. For some of you, God changes you. You need to grow. You need to change the lens in which you see things and you need to see from God's perspective. So he enlarges your perspective to grow you in your character and in your attitude and ultimately in your faith. That's why you're going through this. God's trying to change you in this particular way. And he leaves the situation as is. Number three, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. If it were not so, I would have told you. In my Father's house are many mansions. Right? That where I am, you may be also. Those are great verses. John 14. Ultimate deliverance is the last one. Heaven. Some pain is only going to be overcome in the next. And that is heaven. And one day we're going to, to a place where there will be no more sorrow or tears or suffering or sadness. And Jesus will be there. And I can't wait. Can I get an amen? Can't wait. And that is ultimate deliverance that God wants for all of us. All of us. Now, God never promised to take all your pain away here. 
God never promised that all your loved ones are going to live as long as you want them to live. God never promised that your life will not have difficulties and you'll have no dead ends or delays. But he has promised that he has a life that he has dreamt up for you. And that he, God, would take you through all of life, good or bad. And he will be the source of your strength and walk with you through all of it. That's what he's promised you. But ultimately, he has promised that one day he will deliver all of us that have a relationship with Jesus to a place of no disease, no hurt, no heartache, no pain. And that is heaven. Look at me. Doesn't that give you tenacious faith? Doesn't that make you want to persist all the more in your faith? Endure to the end? Does that for me? Does it do that for you? The Bible tells us that there's only one way to get to heaven. And that is by receiving Jesus Christ, God's Son, as your personal Savior. That God sent Jesus to live the perfect life for you that you and I could not live for ourselves. You and I are imperfect. Yes or no? Jesus lived perfectly. He never did sin for you. He went to a cross and spilled his blood to take away all of your sin because your sin was so heinous that God himself had to die for your sin. But he loved you so much that he wanted to do that for you. And then they buried him and then he rose again on the third day to prove he was God and that he could give you a brand new life. And quite possibly for some of you this morning, you need to take that step of faith to put your faith in Jesus Christ this morning. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, no one's looking. If that's you today, you say, you know, I know God has a dream for my life. I know he does. The most important part of that dream is Jesus Christ. He will restore. He will make all things new. If you would like to receive Jesus as your Savior today, would you just pray this with me? Father, I know you have dreamt up a life for me. That the most important part of that dream is Jesus Christ. So I place my faith in Jesus and his work. That he did live the perfect life for me. Because I couldn't. He did die the death I should have died in my place for my sin. Thank you for that. And he did rise again from the dead on the third day. And I place my faith and trust in him to have a relationship with you. Forgive me of my sin. I turn from it and turn to Jesus Christ this morning. In his name I pray. Amen.
Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you said that prayer for the very first time this morning, the very first time you came to faith in Jesus, would you raise your hand right up and right down so I could pray for you? Up in the balcony, anyone? Anyone? See that hand. Anyone else? Down here on the floor, anybody pray that prayer for the very first time this morning? Some of you are going through a stage of faith. I don't know what stage it is, but every single one of us need to acknowledge that we are going through a stage of faith. It's either dream or a decision on that dream. It's delay. It's difficult. It's dead end or deliverance. Whatever it is, would you this morning say, you know what? I'm going to do what Abraham did. And I'm going to remember the name God gave me and who he tells me I am. I identify with my name and God's power. I renew my hope daily in God's word and in Jesus Christ, who is the author and finisher of my faith. I recognize the facts, the facts in this faith that I need to see that this is reality. But I face it understanding that God will deliver me one way or another. He's going to deliver me. You have a tenacious expectation of what the living God could do. I pray, Father, for those this morning that are facing the giants, that need to step out into the Jordan River this morning, to face whatever it is that, God, they would do that this morning in your power, knowing your great power and the name in which you've given them, that they'll walk by faith understanding that they will be delivered one way or another by your great power. In Jesus Christ's name I pray and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.